This podcast is sponsored by Speaker Rocks Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com. What I usually tell folks to do is think of just a couple people that you know really well. In usually the business arena, you know, folks that you can trust and you have that relationship with. And, and look for ways that you can have a deep conversation with them about what you're doing. Welcome to the B2B Growth Hacks podcast, the show that helps entrepreneurs like you unlock opportunities for growth in business. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, and this is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. I'm here today with Jennifer Miller, who's the founder of Strategically Connected, and she serves as a fractional CMO to great orgs all around the U.S. Jennifer, welcome. Hi, Sarah. So great to be here. I'm so glad to have you on and so excited about the topic today. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, definitely. Love to. So I get the joy of every single day getting to work with a whole bunch of different companies, helping them uh, just clarify their brand and connect with their audiences. And so I, I really have um, a passion for for connecting with people and helping those my companies that I work with connect with their audiences. And so it's really a relational focused marketing play and really developing those strong connections and those strong processes around uh, marketing operations of how to effectively connect with those people. So we're, as we're talking about being resilient in a business, of course, we all want to generate revenue, we all want to have great connections and customers, but sometimes we struggle about how to get there. So one of the things that I have stumbled upon early in starting a business is the power that of building a referral network. And so I feel like a lot of the time we focus on how to build great relationships with our customers and build these raving cult followings, but we don't really tap into the power that exists within building a referral network that can do the same for you. So I kind of wanted to start with telling our audience, what is a referral network? Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. And I think sometimes people get confused with the difference between what a referral is and what a network is. And even the word networking kind of muddies the water a little bit in the middle of all that too. Networking typically is with cold interactions. So you're going to a networking gathering and you're interacting with people, you're building those relationships relationships. So that's kind of the start of the process of maybe finding referrals, but it's that just initial cold process. And then once you transition into more referral relationships, that's a more deeper level situation where you have some trust with people. And I think people, because everybody nowadays want to do everything fast and we want that easy button, referrals often are the hardest to navigate because it's not easy and it's not fast. You have to build that lasting relationship with folks. So actually having a referral or referral partner means engaging with them regularly, having them think of you often to refer things to you, having them understand your audience and your your network really, really well. And so it's more than just, hey, give me leads. It's how can I invest in you? How, how can I give you resources? How can I support you and what you're doing and uh, help them feel valued uh, in that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I love hitting on the fact that, you know, um, 
any relationship, whether it's business or personal, but in this realm, we're talking about business. You want it to be a, a, a relationship of reciprocity. You want there to be value provided for both people on both ends. We should both come out of this feeling like we're getting some type of value or we're both winning. Um, and I think that that's sometimes something that we miss in trying to rush these type of relationships or interactions. So we want to get to the value point uh, for ourselves most of the time. And we're not really thinking about how we can pour in and give back. And so when uh, we know now what that looks like, but how do we go about providing value to our referral partners? And where do we start? Yeah. Well, let me start with an example of how not to do it, because I sometimes feel like that's a good example for to help people realize, okay, yeah, but I sh probably shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. I had a, I had a client one time I was working with and we were talking about referrals of trying to get a program going for them. And he, he was like, well, I don't think they work. I I've done this before and I, I reached out and I, I just didn't get any response. It was just crickets, no response. And I was like, okay, tell me about it. Like, what did you do? How did you approach it? And come to find out the process that was used was just sending mass emails to all these people he didn't know, asking them to refer somebody to him. And I was like, okay, step back. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's do something a little bit different. And so kind of the process for building those relationships, what I usually tell folks to do is think of just a couple people that you know really well in usually the business arena, you know, folks that you can trust and you have that relationship with and look for ways that you can have a deep conversation with them about what you're doing and just start that conversation of learning about them, um, sharing your journey of what, what you're doing at your organization and how it's making an impact, kind of get them just engaged in that level and, and then start to build kind of a database on that person. So understand, you know, what's, what's their anniversary? What's their birth date? What's their kids or family life like? All of those different things you want to take, take into fact and, and understand that person because you're investing in them. And so figure out ways that you can kind of share the love and support them as a human being before you even start that referral process. So, so you want to pick a few people that you can do that with. Think of, you know, here, listen to things like listening and conversations with people is really important when you have those, those relationship building interactions of finding snippets of things that are important to them. What, you know, is there a book that you could send them? Is there an article that you could send them that's really important? So start to build kind of this knowledge base about these people that you could support them with. And then as you periodically touch and interact with them, sending them these different things, they're just going to start to think of you more and more frequently as they interact with their network, which then will start to send referrals your way in that sense. So it's a really organic process, but it's intentional. You can't just, just you know, have that first conversation and then expect them to send you referrals after that point. You have to keep that relationship going. Yeah, exactly. It's about intentionality. You want to build rapport and trust, and that takes time, and it takes um I don't want to say calculated because it's not calculated, but it's really looking for opportunities to interact, 
to serve, um, to celebrate. And I think what's great is we have these tools like LinkedIn that, that give us some of those cues already. And so I always right. tell people, if you don't know where to start, look at the this platform and look at how it's asking you to interact or it's nudging you to interact because they've built this thought process into creating this platform that was made for this, for interaction, yeah. um, you know, doing business, for getting to know people. And I think it's important as well when you're having these conversations to not just look for opportunities to share about your business, but to ask questions about theirs. Ask questions right. about what they're doing, what they're working in, uh, working on, and that'll give you insight into how you can partner together or if this is even a viable partner um, and really just, you know, or not a business connect. Um, right. I, I think, that, you know, having those conversations, like going into a conversation and assuming that this, this might be your ideal referral partner, but as you navigate that conversation, being open to the fact that it may or may not. And I think if you're asking good intentional questions, then it does come organically and naturally naturally typically when you feel that friction is when you're forcing something or you're exactly. trying to get through it too fast so um yeah i often refer to it to folks as like the example of going it you know referral partnerships can't be like going to the bank you just go to the bank when you need money you just go there you get cash out and you leave or you go to deposit something you leave and and there's no interaction between that right I, I like to look at it more like a farm. So you're you're building a farm and you're you're planting the seeds and you have to actually do things to nurture it and and you're investing in that, not in in yourself. And so you have to actually intentionally go out and regularly do things until you actually see something happen. And sometimes it takes a while. Like there's some crops that take a long time and then there's some that are that are more quicker than others. And so it's it's just that process. You can't just go to get, you have to go to give. Yeah, absolutely. As we navigate, you know, what this is more, I kind of want to move into the how. How do we go about doing this? I mean, more practically than how we're talking about um, just in general, carrying on conversation. But where do I start as a business person or a marketing person when it comes to building a referral network? So I think at your core, you want to start with understanding uh, the basics of your audience, because you want to be able to make sure that you're connecting with people that are going to make a match there. Otherwise, it's going to be a frustrating relationship, getting folks that aren't qualified. So think about your persona for your audience. I think that's a common thing that most marketers are aware of, but it's how to leverage that persona. Sometimes we make one and we just put it up on a wall and we never look at it again. So, so it's kind of making it be that more interactive of understanding, um, you know, what are the channels that these folks are living in and how are they engaging? You know, if your audience is very, um, very more of that B2B professional, then maybe LinkedIn really is a stronger place to, to live in for these kind of interactions. Um, and, but maybe it's another social channel or, or even just email. Sometimes email just works better sometimes. So so that that would probably be the first step is to think of that persona. Think of your audience, who, who you want to get connected with, because there might be parts of the conversation with your referral partner that they want to know that information. They might actually ask for that persona be like, hey, I want to make sure I'm connecting the right people with you. Can I can I get that from you? So make sure you have that clear. And then um, and then think about uh, 
think about how you can actually start to strategically plan out all of these interactions. So there's there's a method to it that you have to physically create for yourself. Um, you have to set up reminders for yourself to do things. And there's kind of just this rhythm for it. So, so you want to figure out, you know, what's your end goal? I want to get so many referrals by the end of the year. And I expect maybe, maybe I'll get one per person. That's my target. Like, let's test this out and let's get one per person I interact with. So if I want to get 10 referrals, then I need to get 10 partners that I'm, I'm trying to find and interact with and build that relationship with. And so, so just kind of navigate that, those just really, really basic tactical things of building the program. And then the most valuable resource that I've found for referrals is LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Not only can you save leads in the system and kind of just keep yourself organized in there of referrals from people or people that you think might be able to make introductions to you from LinkedIn, but you can also kind of monitor and engage with that person at a normal level. You can, even if you're not connected with them, you can see what they're posting and comment and like on it and interact. Maybe if they post something valuable on LinkedIn, you could comment and share an article like, hey, you might like this article as well if you posted about this or, you know, things like that. You can kind of organically build that relationship. But if you save all your referral partners in there too, you can see on a more targeted way their connections and their the relationships that might be of value to you. And that's, that's kind of the starting point that I usually take with, with things is, is leveraging that tool to support you with finding all those leads. Yes, I'd love to break this down a little bit more in detail for our audience. So a key, a few key things that Jennifer hit on here. One, she's talking first about your buyer persona. You need to know who you're selling to, your audience, and you need clarity around that to figure out who then can help pitch your services on your behalf, which is essentially what a referral partner is, right? They're helping, they are a raving partner who would love to connect you with either their potential clients or their network when they hear you being a solution to a problem that someone they know has. So the first step is getting your buyer persona down. The second step she mentioned was developing your ideal referral persona. And so that's thinking through who strategically and authentically can you connect with that shares the same values and that your business aligns well with. And the third thing she mentioned was setting goals and expectations. You can't go into this open-ended and expect it to just happen. You have to be very intentional, like she mentioned. You have to have a systematic approach to how you're going to build this network so that you can build in intentional steps. And the tool that you mentioned, Sales Navigator, has been a game changer for me. Sales Navigator is an add-on for um, for our listeners listening, but in my experience, it's more than worth the cost of the add-on because of the value. It's so great when I've connected with people like Jennifer and I can go into Sales Navigator and I can see you know, what, what articles she's posted, what type of information she's sharing, what's important to her. And this is really the power of having a tool like this at your disposal. Jennifer, tell me a little bit about you using Sales Navigator and kind of how you've built out your process for this. 
Yeah, yeah, you bet. So I I have used Sales Navigator for a very, very long time. I actually, um, probably one of the first times that I really started to engage with it was I worked at a company where we built a, built a whole referral and partner program from the ground up using Sales Navigator. And so we started to realize, hey, that the audience of that company were CEOs at companies. And that's one of the hardest hardest audience to get into the door of because you're you have lots of barriers, you have lots of things that you're trying to navigate through. And, and we found that referrals by far, as with most B2B is, is one of the best ways to get those connections. We leveraged Sales Navigator, we actually use there's a team level of Sales Navigator for some of the larger organizations out there where you can actually have share contacts and interactions between people on a team, which which actually was very valuable because we were able to tap into the networks of all the people on the team, all the leadership people at that company and find out how they had people on their list that they didn't even know they were connected to that were perfect target audiences. And it was just on our team that we found. And so so that was that was a a game changer, as you said, uh, for that company of just building that structure where we we put into place, you know, look first internally, all the people on the team, how can we leverage those networks and find find out names and folks that we could refer. And then we found those, those powerhouse people that just really were passionate about what the company was doing, um, the people at the company, and they wanted to support somehow but they just didn't know how. It's really hard to think of names just off the top of your head. If you were to ask somebody for a referral, they'd be like, oh, cool, I'll think about it. I can't think of anybody right now, but I'll, but I'll keep thinking. And then they go throughout their day and they forget. But if you can actually provide them with names and say, hey, you're connected with these people and I would love to get, a connect, get an introduction with them. Would you be able to help facilitate that? Or, or could I email them and copy you on your behalf and just make that connection point? That's amazing to, to move things forward because you have the power of the trust with that person already. And that's, that's the part that really uh, makes this process so valuable is uh, because of that relationship with the referral and that partner, you get in the door so much quicker with things. And so so that was that was kind of the the realm. First we built kind of the internal process where we looked at contacts and then we we picked some folks that we leveraged their contacts and made those connection points. And we put all those names in a database. We started doing actual events where we would we would invite those referrals partners and have them bring people with us to those events and interact with them either virtually or in person. And uh, we did, you know, things that help people build that relationship. So they're not coming to be sold to the first point of contact, you know, have a happy hour where you can bring folks in, have, have just a, a networking mixer. Okay, let's meet all these different leaders in this category together. And let's all have that conversation. So, so again, first investing in them, giving them something to be a part of part of it. And then at that point, then you have built that trust level that you can ask for something. Yeah, exactly. And I love what you said about, you know, it's so much easier when you have, I think the power of being referred is that it doesn't only rely on the rapport you've built. You get to kind of piggyback off Mm -hmm. of the rapport of an existing relationship. And that 
if that person trusts that person, then they trust their recommendation. And so that's the difference in this type of cell is it really at that point is kind of this no ask um, relationship that you've built that it that organically, like I said, when they feel like they can provide value by connecting you the solution with the person they know has a problem, they they get value from that too. And so it's so organic and so nice to be able to make those connections. And honestly, um, you brought up a great point. Some of the great connections that I've made have been at things like this, happy hours or mixers. In fact, we kind of connected on the fact that you were a part of an organization that I'm a part of in Houston, which is the American Marketing Association. You were previously the president of AMA Houston. I currently volunteer for AMA Houston, and I just simply love the organ, kind of what it provides. Tell me a little bit about your experience with AMA and kind of how it relates to what we're talking about as far as building a referral network. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah, last last year I got the, the the pleasure of being the Austin AMA president of the American Marketing Association, and I I was drawn to that organization several years ago just because it's it's a way for marketers to really really connect with their people. Marketers are a unique breed. We we all have our unique way of a, approaching things, and. Um, I think it, it helps us be able to have that uh, kind of solidarity together of, of knowing we all we all get the challenges that we have and we're all in the room together and we can learn from each other. So it's amazing because you have you have really senior level CMOs and executives, owners of companies that have been around for a really long time and they have they have this knowledge to share. Um, there's a mentorship program with AMA that you can really invest in others in the na- in the area or or find somebody invest in you and and I, I just love that part of it. Um, kind of my personal tagline is passionately pursuing people and and that's what I felt like AMA is all about. It's just that that passionate passionately pursuing people uh, all throughout what we did and and so there there's a lot of fun fun elements of being on the board there where you get to be invested in the community and and in other marketers through that process. So, so definitely would recommend looking it up if you're uh, if you're not involved. There's chapters all over the country that you can get engaged with for sure. Yeah, for sure. If you're a marketer, it's definitely something you need to look into. And for us, uh, we're a smaller business, so we wear multiple hats. So we kind of, um, my partner and I kind of dibble and dabble in both sides of it. And so I've even as a founder have gotten so much value from being at AMA and hearing from other marketers and hearing what they're doing and what's not working for them. Or sometimes when you have economic downturns like we're having now because of COVID, just kind of being able to talk over a drink or some snacks and 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 kind of hear from other industries um, has been so invaluable and also just so natural. Um, like you said, I think there's a natural camaraderie that's kind of built when you're all kind of in it together and you're outside of the office in a more public setting that's funner and more lax. So you can really, really... Um, start conversation that facilitates building a deeper relationship. Completely agree. Yep. So we've talked about what a referral network is and how people could go about building them. But why is this so important? Why is this really honestly, in my opinion, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll leave it up to our audience. Why is it the next thing they really should be thinking about if they don't already have this in place? Well, I would, I would look at it as so. So I think some some organizations that are going to be listening here are startups, maybe, and so they're looking for scrappy ways. Like, how can I really get 
some new leads without, I don't have budget. I don't have anything. This is one of those ways that um, you can start. All you need is, is a conversation. All you need is intentionality to be purposeful and have those valuable engagements with people. I mean, obviously having a budget to be able to give gifts and, and do different things to, to support um, partners and referral partners in unique ways is important. But really the value of human engagement is, is going to be take you farther than anything. And that doesn't cost anything. That just costs your time. And so that that's super valuable I've seen for startups and, and folks that need something to get going without all the time and energy and tools and things that they have to do with um, you know, cold reach out and all that kind of stuff. So, so that would, that's invaluable why, why I would say start with that. And then at, for larger companies on the flip side, um, sometimes you max out all of the different channels that you can get leads from. And there's only so much you can do, right? And there's always optimizations and things, but you want that channel that you can have this steady rhythm of relationship building and this growth. And you can always add more partners, like you can rotate in more and more partners, but this gives you that steady rhythm. And it's a more organic, natural way of bringing in leads that support you as a company. So you need that kind of horsepower behind you to help with all the other channels that are happening. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely can attest to being a startup and it being volatile and yeah, being really scrappy. You don't have much to work with. And this has by far been one of the most um, profitable things we could have looked into early on. I'll give kudos to my partner, Ray. He's really the marketing arm of us and he's always looking for new ways. And this definitely has proved to be exactly what you said, something that's steady, um, something that over time consistently, uh, just when you feel like there's not another contract you can close, somebody hits you with an email and an introduction, and it's the best feeling. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, also being able to give that back, you know, um, right. so uh, definitely can attest to that initial um, point that you made and loved what you mentioned about, you know, even being a big org. And, and I talk through this with people often is that at some point you tap of you tap out of how many dollars you want to spend on marketing, <laughs> you, you have a budget, and it's like, you know, just buying more ads and shooting them into space. It's, it's, it's not an effective way to go about this. And I think there's just so much strategy and so many ways you can adapt this and modify it mm -hmm. on spot that helps you be much more consistent with it. Right, completely agree. I think I think that's something that people don't realize sometimes in marketing, you get so focused on your budget and I have budget for this channel and this channel and you're just reaching all of these different checklist items, right? And, and sometimes it's great to just step back and be like, how can I maximize things even more? How can I look at this differently? And there are a lot of angles that you can come at a referral and partner program. Um, that that could be impactful and you can you can adapt and you can shift and change that so much so it makes it makes it really valuable yes for sure you've built a lot of these uh, type of lead gen strategies for major businesses so I know you've got some stories down in there tell me ways that this has not gone well or what mistakes you see people make with this that prevents it from working well as a strategy for them part of the process is is following the rules i am i'm definitely one of those people that is a is a rule person and i think it's something to know about linkedin is there are rules that linkedin has in place and if you break those rules you might not be excited about the results of that 
And so I've actually seen people um, before I kind of started working with them that they had their LinkedIn account closed out. Like they had to start over because they, they sent out too many connection requests to people that they didn't know. They were really doing that the exact opposite of a relationship building process, right? Like you're not building that relationship and you're breaking all the rules with LinkedIn. So, so I would, I would just caution, like, as you think about LinkedIn, think of it, not like a bank, you're not going out there. You're not trying to just, you know, get all these relationships and connect with all the people. And then some, some way all these leads will come in. You're building a farm, you're actually like, you need to build that relationship before you send the connection request, before you do all those things. And that will actually help you in the long run. It helps your brand as a company because they're equating a relationship driven connection with the brand of your company versus a whole bunch of just pestering and, and cold calling and messaging. And so that's, that's where I've seen some people kind of falter with that kind of strategy is, is just sending mass connection requests to people and not really having intentionality about it. Uh, so that I would definitely avoid that. And then I would, I would be very, um, I, we've talked about intentionality so much, but so I keep using that word, but uh, you can actually hurt relationships with uh, your prospects and your referral partners if you don't treat them well. And uh, so again, not a bank, you need to love on them. You need to actually invest in them and help support them. And and so so give them thanks for for when they give you a referral. Um, interact with them and and show the value. Keep them in the loop on how that deal is going. They made this internet introduction to you. Let them know how it's going. You know, and and I bet that person, if you ran into a roadblock in the pipeline and they're just stuck, they're not closing. I bet if you reached out to that person and said something to them, they might help you move it forward because they just are usually that kind of person if they if they want to see that deal move forward, right? And so that that's where keeping in touch with those uh, relationships, I think, is important. You want to make sure that they, they feel a part of the process and they know what's happening. So bring them alongside of you because I, I, I've seen too many people fall out of the wind because um, they just didn't know what was going on. You lose that trust with them. They they don't feel like you're taking good care of the people they give you, all that kind of stuff. So you need to keep that communication channel open with them. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. And two things here that you mentioned just in the last sentence, it's not just keeping a good relationship with your customer after you get them, it's maintaining the relationship with your referral partner. Otherwise, you could probably consider that one and done. And that's not what you're going for with this. You're going for longevity. You're going for building a resilient business. And in order to do that, it's going to take time and you know intentionality, patience, all of those things that you mentioned. What are some of your favorite tools? You mentioned Sales Navigator, which clearly I love, but um, what are some other tools that you've used to help with uh, managing a referral network? Anybody is connected with me, you'll know that I am a HubSpot. Um, a passionate person. So I, I love HubSpot. Most of my clients have HubSpot that they use. And that honestly, um, if you 
are one of those larger companies and you have their enterprise level of HubSpot, it actually integrates with Sales Navigator. And so you can actually have that tr direct transit of, of leads and sending, sending messages and interacting and kind of tracking that data in there. So that's really invaluable when, it, when you're a larger company and you can afford that. For the smaller folks that, that maybe can't afford that level, there's a lot of great ways that you can still track uh, the engagement levels of people in HubSpot. So you can actually you take all the people that you're interacting with, all the referrals you've gotten, and your referral list, and put those people into HubSpot, add them to a campaign. So, you know, John Smith is going to be your next referral partner. Load, create a campaign in HubSpot that's for John Smith, and every email, every interaction that you do that's tied to that that campaign in HubSpot, you can see stats, you can see how many deals were closed because of that, you can see, you know, how many emails were opened, if you create landing pages to send folks to with information that's tied to that, you can track all of that data. And it helps you know uh, how valuable it is. And I know for marketers, that's super important, especially when you're reporting up to somebody, you they, they always want the data. So why are you spending my money? Where is it going? What are we doing? And and so they you need to be able to come equipped with showing all that information of how how valuable you, you need to market yourself. How valuable is the work you're doing for the company? And and so I would say any whether it's HubSpot or another tool, another CRM, you can do the same process. You can load those those lists in there and keep track of how many engagements and how many um, move, deals that have moved forward in there. So that's a big one. Um, I mean, sometimes good old Excel is great too. If you really don't have a lot of a lot of resources and you wanna run with this, just start putting names in a, in a spreadsheet and, and track it that way. So, so you can be pretty scrappy with this kind of process. You don't have to have any fancy tools to, to run with things for sure. Yeah, I love all three of those. Definitely a big HubSpot fan. Um, also, I've experimented, experimented with different CRMs too. I know Pipedrive is, is pretty darn good. It's really a lower cost option to get into that can help you manage your leads or your different pipelines that you have from customers to referral partners, etc. And then of course, you've got Salesforce, the beast of them all. And their lower package has actually come way down in price. Um, so, I mean, really for the year, if you could justify 300 bucks, then you can have a, a great CRM that can help you build out these um, different pipelines. I kind of yeah. wanted to hit on something that you mentioned. I mean, really what you're talking about in this process is running this process similar to what we see in a sales process. It's running those clients through similar interactions that you would a customer. And I think, first of all, I want to destroy the negative connotation around this idea that you're doing this um, in a... First of all, any negative connotation around sales, but also the idea that you're doing this um, very kind of nonchalantly or cold, you know, uh, in a cold fashion. These are strategic people who you've thought very deeply about. Um, you've made you've made an, uh, some type of semblance of connection with them and found value. This isn't just picking people out and throwing them in your pipeline and hoping for the best. There's so much intentionality in what right. Jennifer's saying in this process of how you develop um, this, this pipeline. It's not just sending the same email to all four, 40 people in your sales pipeline there. That would be 
choosing a personal interaction, choosing a place where you could network with each of these people in person. It re there really is a custom way that you do this. And so I just wanted to kind of highlight that a little bit because I can definitely see how if this is your first time hearing about this thing, that you would just import all of these contacts and go for a mass email. And that's not what we're talking about here, even though it's a similar process. What do you think, Jennifer? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think, um, I think everybody's always looking for that easy button and you want to be able to just load it in and send an email and boom, I have some leads and we're good to go. But with this process, it definitely is the opposite of that. You, you, you can definitely have some, some templates in a sense where, uh, maybe there's, there's a, a structure around how the messaging you want to include or that maybe there's a link that you want to include of a resource or something update for about the company, um, or maybe there's an event that you want to invite them to. So there are certain things that you can kind of have that speed along the process for you that you can copy paste or, or have set up in templates in your CRM. But, but typically you always want to customize the messaging to them. And, um, and what I found usually works the best is just setting up reminder tasks for things versus trying to schedule out, you know, those mass email sends, just schedule, schedule reminders of, okay, I want to have a regular rhythm. I want to engage with this person every two weeks. So I'm going to set a reminder every two weeks to, to interact with them. And at that point, I'll just see like, has there been anything on LinkedIn that that person's interacted with or done? Can I, can I shoot, shoot them on a, a book I just read that I really liked and see if they see what their thoughts are or ask them, you know, what book are you reading? Maybe I should add it to my list. You know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated emails. It can just be really simple things that you're sending folks just to keep in touch and just to have that, that touch point definitely set reminders for birthdays and, you know, all of the things that um, will show that personal care of the human being, I think will be important. And, um, but truly, it's, it's just that rhythm, just making those email um, emails more custom to the person, uh, making it feel personal that it's not the scripted message you're sending out. And, um, and then you'll be good. Yeah, definitely. That's one of my favorite um, ways to connect with people is over information. I love to read. And so if I see that someone's reading similar things to me, or they're posting similar, similar articles, I love to connect on that point, because clearly this person is interested in similar information. And so um, organically sharing articles back and forth or sharing books and, and really going into it with, with zero idea that this will might might or might not turn into a sell, but really just going into it with the honest um, interest and enthusiasm about the potential of a relationship, I think is, is a good kind of spot. And it's, I think what you're really hitting on with, with kind of gravitating towards this human centric approach, remembering that this is a human being at the, at the heart of who they are, just like you. And um, not everything is supposed to be transactional. Um, but if you can find common ground where you and, and someone's mission align and you have a similar customer base, this can be a great tool to um, organically help you both grow your network and business. Right, completely. Well, we have gotten so many great resources from you, but I am going to beg you for one more. Is there a book or any resource that you can recommend to our audience on this topic that you've read that you really stand behind? 
Yeah, yeah. This is an oldie, but but kind of a goodie. I, I actually, this was one of the books that we used and when we started the referral program, one of the first ones that I did. It's called The Referral of a Lifetime, and it's written by um, Tim Templeton. There's a second addiction edition out there, uh, a second edition out there. And uh, so you should maybe check it out. It has a lot of those great um, processes in there of things to think about and, and how, to, how to do that more personal touch. Uh, I think the tagline has something to do about never making a cold call ever, ever again in your life. And I know some of those folks out there, especially marketers, probably would, would value that. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And I just, you know, uh, I love older books, even if I feel like some of the uh, resources are outdated, it always kind of leads you down this creative path because you can apply the principle or the, you know, strategy and update it a little. So I'm definitely going to check out that one. That's, I hadn't heard of that one. Um, yeah. Also, where can our audience connect with you if they want to see more of the type of things you read or the type of information you're sharing? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Definitely find me on LinkedIn. Just search Jennifer Miller um, and and um, my company, Strategically Connected, and I'll probably pop up on the list there. And um, I share stuff pretty much every day and, and just different resources. I love just giving, giving marketers uh, tools and things that they can use in their day. I, I know everybody has different challenges that they're facing as marketers. And so I'm always on the lookout for good articles and, and things to share. So, so definitely find me on there on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. And, um, and then my website is uh, strategically-connected.com. And uh, you can learn a little bit more about what I do and some of the companies I've worked with. Awesome. Yeah, you guys definitely go check that out. I can attest to the fact she shares great information every day. That's how we connected. And so here you go. Organically, you can see that what we're talking about um, works. And it's, um, it's really amazing. And it really provides kind of this exponential nature and pathway to your business that I think is so great. So I'm so grateful to you, Jennifer, for sharing with our audience today uh, your knowledge. We appreciate it so much. Um, Guys, catch us on the next episode of B2B Growth Hacks. But in the meantime, Jennifer, thanks for being with us today. You bet. It was so great to be here, Sarah. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at b2bgrowthhacks.com. Also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest conversations happening here on B2B Growth Hacks. This podcast is sponsored by Speakerbox Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com.